Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. like what you're hearing if you're picking up what I'm putting down you can join me on a live weekly call to talk about your next short-term rental or ask questions about the one you already have I am live once per week on zoom I would love to have you come and say hello it's strquestions.com that's strquestions.com come and join us Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show. Got a super cool guest today getting away from the full-on real estate investing today into a similar business, but not real estate. And we're going to be talking about, I don't know if, if our guest coined this phrase, but I really like it, real estate. Love it. So cute. Uh, but I've got Gar Russell here with me to talk about renting out RVs. And he's got a really cool story. I'm really excited to hear it. How's it going, Gar? Hey, it's going good, Avery. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now you make me think maybe I should look into that, see if I can trademark that. That's <laughs> I like it. I love it. Um, okay, so I, I have lots of questions about this. First, tell us about yourself and how you got into the business of renting out RVs. Yeah, so I am a, uh, was, well, I say am, I was a full-time RVer for five years. We just bought a house back in March. And kind of how we got into it is kind of how you fall into some of, you know, life's different adventures as I had bought in a, uh, my wife an RV for our 10 year wedding anniversary. And, you know, I get it all set up at a campground and I'm all excited. And then my wife turns to me and says, all right, well, I'm going home. And the way she said it, I'm like thinking she's not just like going home to get something. I don't know if she's coming back. And sure enough, she was like miserable, pregnant in the middle of the summer. And she's like, yeah, this isn't my thing. I'm headed home. So here I am with an RV, you know, being an entrepreneur, I'm thinking, all right, well, I need, I need to cover this payment. So literally the brain starts cranking and hours later, I've got it up for rent. That's, that's kind of how I fell into this adventure. That's funny. So I got into short-term rental investing kind of for the same reason, because my husband tried to take me tent camping a few times and I loathe it. So I said, let's get a cabin. Um, okay. Well, so first I have a question. How did that of I'm going home, I'm not spending the night here translate over to being a full-time RVer for a few years? Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, obviously kind of in hindsight, it's like my wife's wife was just pregnant and miserable and it was the heat of the summer and you know and she had our fourth child Isabella that August and then you know we started to use the camper uh and then one thing led to the next and it's winter time in Michigan and we're like hey you know what let's hit the road for a little bit and so we did that you know we went for about 45 days and then the next winter we went for two months and then the next winter was like four months and then the next winter was I want to leave for the whole winter and that turned into us, you know, being full-time RVers. So. <laughs> so I have to ask, what is your favorite backdrop 
to, you know, to park your RV for a month or two months or however, however long you stay, maybe you stay only a week each place, but I love desert backdrops, but what about you? Do you prefer beach mountains? What do you think? You know, kind of what I've found to be our favorite setup is somewhere where there's like a stream slash river in the background, because that just seems to be like the spot where our kids can hang out all day and we can make little dams. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of our favorite setup where we've got some woods and a river and man, we've just have so many fun memories and, you know, we've had some cool things too. Like we went to La Jolla beach in California and white sands and, you know, up in the mountains and different places like that. But as far as like being set up for a while, it always seemed like somewhere where there was like a river or a stream, like, we thought, man, we could, we could hang out here a while. This is cool. There's a lot to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And everybody's got a different answer to that question. So I like that. Well, I guess let's talk business now, since that's why people are listening. I could talk, you know, what's your favorite RV, such and such all day. Uh, Okay. So you got into the business because your wife didn't want to spend the night in it when she was miserable and pregnant. I, I, I can relate to that. So how did you go from, oh, I guess I'm going to rent this thing out because my wife doesn't want to stay in it to where you are now? Actually, let's talk about where you are now. So give our listeners a rundown of this huge business that you've built around this, uh, starting with my wife went home. (laughs) Yeah. So now where we're at, uh, we've got 30, we're now a franchise opportunity. We have 30 franchises around the country. We've got hundreds of RVs under management. And really my background, you know, as an entrepreneur was um, like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you start a business, you get the business up and running, it's cash flowing, you're excited. And then we just all naturally gravitate towards real estate, you know, like, oh, now I want to own real estate. You know, it just seems like that's to me the natural progression of entrepreneurs. Um, And so I built up a portfolio of real estate. I had about 35 doors, uh, most of them long-term rentals. And that's where when I started renting my RV, the real estate mine instantly just kicked in like, oh, okay, I can do real estate. You know, I'll start to rent, I'll buy RVs and rent them out. And I kind of call that my God story there where I started to buy RVs, but then I quickly had this epiphany like, well, wait, real estate appreciates, RVs depreciate. Maybe I should be buying a bunch of RVs. And that's where, you know, I really felt like God was like, other people's RVs. That's the that's the key there is rent out other people's RVs because they've got RVs sitting around that are doing nothing like timeshares. And and so that's, uh, that's where the business model kind of graduated into the management piece, other people's assets. Uh, yeah. And it just, you know, spiraled from there. Okay. So that is really smart because that was going to be my next question is like, okay, if you're buying all these RVs, spending all this money, but, and you're renting them as if they were real estate, but then you don't get all the other benefits of them being real estate, but you're not buying them. That's my mind is blown. That's genius. (laughs) I'm impressed. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, that's the whole peer to peer industry now, you know, like, I saw on Facebook a couple of months ago, you can rent somebody's swimming pool if you want. It's a website where you can go on and rent someone's swimming pool, you know, and then we all know the huge, you know, Airbnb and arbitrage movement, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, this is, to me, this is the newest vehicle for people um, is renting out other people's RVs on their behalf. And there's 
There's a, over 11 million RVs sitting around the country. You know, with COVID, especially, there was a huge boom in sales. People couldn't travel, you know, fly, that kind of stuff. So everybody started buying RVs. You know, there was companies that went public. Sales were through the roof. I mean, just, and now what we have is we have this huge pool of RVs that are just sitting around again, doing nothing. Um, and we have a huge peer-to-peer -peer space. So we have websites like Airbnb that are marketing the outdoors experience. And so, yeah, it's just this perfect storm. Even campgrounds are going up all around the country. Um, the government's investing in state and more state and federal parks. It's just it's this perfect storm. So, yeah, we're kind of right in the middle of it at the right time. So I guess my next question is if these, you know, people that you're renting their RVs for them, if they're people who, I mean, I've been one of those people, uh, you know, who are using theirs like a month out of the year and then the rest of the time is just kind of sitting there. So how do you find these clients? Because I would imagine they're not actively out there searching for someone to rent out their RV for them. So, so how do you get these people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most people, when we find them, they've never even heard that this is such an opportunity. So usually it's like their minds are blown or the wife's like, yeah, someone's not sleeping in the bed of my camper. Like, you know, no thanks. <laughs> but you know how we find them. Usually it's just, uh, Facebook Marketplace, RV Trader, the different sites where people are trying to sell their RVs. Um, that's one of the unfortunate sides. And one of the blessings of it is, you know, a lot of people are trying to sell their RVs. They can't get what for what they owe on them. So we're the perfect short-term solution for them. You know, we'll rent it out for them for a year or two, help them pay the principal down, put some money in their pocket, you know, and they sell their RV and go on with life. Or, you know, we have investors that will purchase the drivables um, because, you know, they you still have the benefits of depreciation and the write-offs and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, we have investors that we work with. But, yeah, mostly how we find people, it's Facebook Marketplace, RV Trader, you know, stuff like that. Or we partner with, like, a local storage facilities. That's one of the beauties of this business model, too, is you can literally, we have franchises that have launched. And it's as simple as they talk to a couple storage facilities, they share the business model, the storage facility says, wow, this is great. Yeah, throw a huge sign right out on our fence. We'll partner with you and bam, now they have a fireside RV location up and running within 30 days and there's hundreds of RVs right there in that storage facility that they get to market to the owners and partners. Okay, all right, that makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people store their RVs at storage facilities. You can't always just have one sitting in your driveway HOAs and such. So yeah. the storage, you go to the storage facility to partner with them to, that is also genius, man. You've really got something figured out here. Yeah. It's interesting because now storage facilities are starting to cater more to RV owners. So they're offering services like, Hey, we'll wash the RV for you. We'll deliver it to a campground for you. We'll maintenance it for you. So when one of our fireside franchises comes in and partners with them, the franchisee literally has their whole business in a box there because the storage facility is storing it, maintaining it, cleaning it, delivering it. And our franchisee is literally just orchestrating, you know, everything behind the scenes and collecting that huge management fee that we get. This episode of The Short Term Show is brought to you by The Short Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected with an Agent. 
If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by EXP or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. This episode is brought to you by the Premier Short-Term Rental Facebook group. Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. We have nearly 50,000 members, this is the biggest independently owned and operated SCR Facebook group, and it has been curated by yours truly, Cashflow Carl. Join us on Facebook. Search the groups for Short-Term Rental Long-Term Wealth. That's Short-Term Rental Long-Term Wealth on Facebook. Yeah, so what is that management fee? Yeah, so that's the cool thing about this industry is typically you're right around a 50-50 split with the owner. So it's the numbers are like flipped upside down in comparison to most like uh, real estate management companies where you're getting, you know, maybe 10, 15% on the high side of a management fee. We're getting 40 to 50% management fees. Uh, so there's huge margins there. And, you know, the owner is covering all the overhead. The owner is paying for the storage. They're paying the payment and the insurance and the title and the tags and the maintenance. And then on the other side of it, the renter, if there's damages, the renter is paying for the damages. Uh, the renter is paying a cleaning fee to have the RV clean between the rentals. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of other ways the franchisee makes money as well outside of just renting it. So what's the startup cost for a franchisee for one of these? Yeah, so our franchise fee, it's $50,000. Uh, and then outside of that, it's very low overhead as far as operating cost. Okay, so I have quite a few questions around this. I guess let's start with what is the, I know you can't really give an average night stay or price, but let's say, you know, maybe you've got like a 40 foot bus like that they can drive. What, I mean, what's the average, I guess I am going to ask for average. <laughs> what's like the average amount of money that somebody's going to pay to have one of these things for a week or two weeks. And I guess what's the average duration also I'm just trying to get a gauge for like how much you can actually make doing this. Yeah, definitely. So I can act, I can give you some pretty good numbers on this. Uh, so this season, you know, out of the thousands of rentals that we did this season, our average rental was five days. Our average rental amount was one thousand three hundred and forty dollars. Uh, and then inside of those averages, I always explain it like this: if it's a towable travel trailer, because a lot of people mix up in their mind, like, okay, what's a what's a they just think an RV is RV, but so I always say a towable travel trailer that hooks up to a vehicle and you pull it down the road, that's going to net an owner and the franchisee right around three to $500 per week that it's rented. And then the drivable RV that you sit behind and drive, that's going to be about double uh, per week that it's rented just on the rental revenue. Okay. And how often do these things stay rented? Just really only in the summer? Or, you know, what's your high season look like? Yeah, so typically, yeah, June, July, August, that's our busy time of year. Uh, and for a seasonal location, you know, where you're going to have a winter time and, you know, you're just not doing anything in the winter, 
the average RV is going to go on about seven to nine rentals. Uh, and then in a year round location, you know, Florida, Arizona, California location like that, you know, you could do double to triple that depending on the area that you're in. Okay. And are these, so when somebody comes to rent one of these, are you dropping them off somewhere and they're staying somewhere for the week or are they like coming, picking these up, driving them around, who knows where and bringing them back? They're doing both. Uh, typically on the travel trailers, they're, the renter is paying to get that delivered somewhere. And then on the drivable RVs, typically the renter is picking that up, you know, and they've, you know, they're going from Florida up to Michigan and back, you know, they have a whole bunch of destinations that they're, they're stopping at. Uh, and then too, what's interesting about this business is, you know, why I call it real estate is, uh, you know, when we're talking about this, especially you being in an RV or me being in an RV or we're thinking like campgrounds, state parks, stuff like that. But really this is a house on wheels. So these RVs are going to corporate events, they're temporary housing for insurance claims, damages to houses, they're mobile quarantine units, they're getting set up at festivals and fairs and outdoor events. Um, we've got people that are renting them as job site offices, you know, for construction developments. It's really, it's a house on wheels. So the, the usage for them is, is just, it's, it's limitless. So. It's pretty interesting on uh, the different uses that people have for, you know, the RVs just outside of camping. It's funny you say mobile quarantine unit because back in 2020 or maybe it was 2021. No, it's 2021. So back when COVID was still this really big, scary thing that people really didn't know much about. Uh, and my husband did get it. We put him in the RV <laughs> in the driveway yeah. for two weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we had rented them to like nurses, you know, medical staff that they would go home, but they didn't want to go into their home, you know. So we had RVs set up on the side of houses. Um, right when all this hit, right, it was actually right around springtime. So we had all these snowbirds that were down in Florida and all their family were trying to get them back to New York and all their respective states. And they're like, yeah, we're not, we don't want to risk getting our nine-year-old mother sick. So they were renting RVs as like mobile quarantine units. Um, we had a power plant in Michigan that rented 74 RVs from us uh, for their electrical engineers. So oh, they wow. would stay in them on like 30-day shifts. And so, yeah, it's just uh, the usage for them. It's, it's interesting. That is really interesting. And I my next question is, so anybody who's ever owned an RV or driven run, one around for a while knows that things on them break a lot. Uh, I got stuck in Keystone, North Dakota. It was a, it's a big KOA there. Maybe you've been there. Uh, huge, huge, huge. But there there's no cell service, which would be fine because there's Wi-Fi, but they don't have a big enough Wi-Fi system to support the number of people that they have there. Uh, I mean, because it's hundreds and hundreds of, of, of RV spots there. So it was basically no internet either because it didn't work and our slide would not go in. <laughs> so mm. we couldn't, couldn't get out, had to go drive five miles. Like you couldn't just go hundred yards down the street and get better service. We had to drive all the way into town to, I think it was called mountain city, hill city, hill city. And, uh, 
It was just a nightmare. So we had to drive 15 minutes to be able to get anybody on the phone to even talk to about what is going on with this. Then if they needed to call back, they couldn't get us. We finally, you know, we got it handled, but it was a mess. And my question is, what do you do when you have a bunch of people who don't really know what they're doing, renting these from you, driving them around and having these kinds of problems? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it doesn't happen as, as often as you would think necessarily, but yeah, we definitely run into those scenarios. And so if you look at the side of any RV, if you're walking into the door and you look to the left, you're going to see like your model number of your RV, and then you're going to see a CoachNet sticker. And that might've even been who you called CoachNet. And there's a 800 number. Um, so CoachNet actually has a tech roadside assistance program for this industry. And so that would kind of be step one for a renter. If they're on the road, something goes wrong, they're going to call the number that we've given them for our CoachNet reps, which we're all certified RV techs, and they're going to try to walk them through it. Uh, if okay. they can't, then it's going to be just like a car breakdown. They're going to dispatch, uh, you know, a roadside assistance that would come. Like in your scenario, probably there's two things that would have happened. They would have disengaged the motor and done a manual retraction. Uh, of the slide out, or they do a manual override of the motor, which those two things are actually fairly easy to do if, if you're given the directions. Did you guys end up doing one of those by chance or? Yeah, we did have a mobile RV person come look at it. Okay. And what did they do? Did they do like the, they got the slide in obviously, how did they do it? You know, or no? Um, it's a little above my technical pay grade. I, my job is to get the kids to go to sleep during those kinds of situations and let my husband stand out there and scream. But um, it was something to do with one of the hydraulics, okay. um, getting it in and out, uh, computer related to the hydraulics. So okay. that's about the extent of my knowledge on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, you're definitely right. It's uh, it's not like an Airbnb, right? Where somebody knows how to just, oh yeah, I know how to work the thermostat or I know how to lock the door or this or that. You definitely have those scenarios. Uh where it's like, hey, I don't, I don't understand what happened. Uh, we only took two showers and the gray tank is full. It's like, well, yeah, you took two 20 minute showers. It's, you know, it's a 50 gallon tank. You know, it only holds so much water. Like here's your option, you know, or hey, what's this smell in here? It's like, well, the septic tank is right under the toilet. You know, you got to <laughs> put a tab in there, you know, stuff that, you know, to us, it's like common as RVers, but um, as a vacation or renter, you know, it's like, not okay. So you guys have like a department who handles that. Yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, maybe we just didn't buy the best one in the world from the get go. Um, but it was like something all the time. That was, that was the biggest thing, but you know, there were multiple small things. And so what do you do about damage deposits? Because there are things that are just kind of gonna break, you know, they're, these are not like the highest quality custom cabinets and drawers and things and these things. So what do you do for damage deposits in these? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, I mean, even just us using it as our own possession and taking care of it, you could turn wrong and bump into something and you're like, right. Wow, that whole cabinet just fell off the wall. Yeah. Thing, I, I was just putting a cup in it. I think it would support a cup. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So we have commercial insurance for this industry. Uh, and we do, depending on the type of unit, there's a $1,500 to a $2,500 damage deposit that's taken. Okay. Uh, and then you can get, you know, they have all the add ons, you know, the different platforms do interior damage protection and 
pet protection and trip insurance and all those different things. Yeah, that brings me to another question. So what kind of insurance do you get for, I know there's RV insurance, but what about renters in an RV insurance? How do you insure that? Yeah, so there's a couple of companies that kind of paved the way. So it's it's interesting as far as like this industry, the RV rental industry has been around forever. Um, the main, one of the main insurance providers out of Arizona, MBA Insurance, they've been in this business since 1978. So they started the RV rental insurance industry. Uh, and, and really how it's been, it's really, it was dealerships. Dealerships is where you could rent an RV or maybe a couple you know, big companies like most people have heard of like Cruise America, you know, oh, yeah. El Monte, which it's like the big billboard you're driving down the road. Um, but then what happened is dealerships started getting out of the rental industry and it created this huge gap. And then all of a sudden in 2015, it literally is how this started, kind of how I started my journey is some guy went on an RV adventure with his family. He saw how much it would be to rent an RV and so he just bought one. Once he was done, he decided to rent it out. And he was trying to find ways to market his rental. There was not. So he created which is RV share now. And uh, and that created this peer-to-peer -peer industry. And so the insurance piece, you know, long answer to your question, their insurance piece has always been around and now it's even involving more. Um, but the peer-to-peer -peer model was created. And so now it's just exploded. Now it's actually exploded so fast and so large that um, dealerships, can't even get back in if they wanted to because there's so much opportunity and inventory out there now um, that they would have a huge competition against them if they decided all of a sudden, well, we're going to start running RVs again. So they focus mainly on the service side of things and selling, you know, new units. Of and doing a, a really annoying job of the service side of things. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's <laughs> like you go to get something service and it's like, oh yeah, we can get you in three months from now, yeah. you know? And that's part of the COVID problem too, is they were cranking these things so fast out of the factory uh, to, to meet the demand that, I mean, brand new RVs go out on the road and the refrigerator is not working, the air conditioner is not working, this or that. So yeah, that was definitely an industry, uh, interesting piece to this industry during COVID, you know, it's kind of settling down now, but. Yeah, yeah, I think most things are kind of settling down from COVID now. Um. So I guess my last question before we get to the final three of the show is if somebody wants to get into this, maybe uh, maybe they want to start small, like try it independently for a few a few RVs worth and then maybe just get into your model like, OK, I, I think I've got I think I like this. I don't hate it. Now, I think maybe I want to buy a franchise and, have you know, the systems are already there for me. I don't have to do trial and error. Like, you know, that's basically what buying a franchise is are an already run business that you're just buying a branch of. Um, how do they kind of do that? Because what if they are like, Oh, I don't want to necessarily spend 50,000 on an industry and get in buying a franchise that I don't know if I'm going to like yet. So what would be a way to kind of see if, if this might be for them without, you know, before they take that next step of maybe coming to you? Yeah, definitely. So if somebody wanted to kind of dabble to see if this is something they're interested in. Uh, first of all, you'd need an RV. So if you already own an RV, great, that's easy. You know, you just get listed on some of the peer-to-peer -peer platforms. Um, RV Shear, Outdoorsy, Good Sam are the big ones. Uh, and then that would definitely be a great way to see if somebody was going to purchase an RV, like, you know what, I'm gonna purchase an RV, I'd use it anyway, and then I'll rent it out. 
my recommendation would be in that scenario is um, buy a, something used, first of all, um, not super old because you want it to, you know, appeal to people. Um, and then second is buy something that, you know, you're going to like. I've coached many people that, you know, they, well, we'll just dabble and buy one, like you said. And they end up buying something that they think, well, this is going to rent the best, but it doesn't even suit their family. Well, then, you know, if they don't end up liking it and now their family's not even like it. So buy something that you know that you would use and you would like uh, as well, uh, you know, and then and give it a shot. Okay. My last question related to other mistakes that I've personally, that not, I have not made mistakes. My husband has made mistakes. Um, <laughs> so one time in Branson, and I've told this story on here before. So sorry, listeners, if you remember it, we made the worst wrong turn in the history of wrong turns and mm. got in a situation where we were going down a mountain with switchbacks and, you know, it's a 44 foot bus and didn't, you know, we got lucky to where we did, we were able to make it, but do you ever have people who are like, oh yeah, I, I, I can drive an RV, no problem. And then they get stuck and then you have to go rescue them and, and the RV. Yeah. Oh yeah. We definitely had that happen. You know, we do walkthroughs and, and we'll do a drive with people and stuff like that and trainings and we send them out videos and PDFs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, we've always joked about that because like you can, you can go to an RV dealership right now, buy a, the longest RV that's available and they'll just hand you the keys. Say, all right, here you go. Good luck with your RV. It's like, there's no, <laughs> you know, required training, testing, all these kinds of things. But yeah, as soon as, as you were asking that question, it made me think of a guy that we had <laughs> in a 37 foot class A and he got stuck a couple times and got towed out. We didn't know until he got back. He just was showing me when we got, he's like, oh my gosh, look at this picture too. We got stuck so bad here. It was horrible. Oh yeah. And by the way, yeah, the, this one here, we, we hit something so bad that the washing machine came out and flew into the tub. Yeah. Here's the picture. And oh my gosh, know, he just, he was just sharing this epic adventure that him and his boys had. And yeah. Here's us swimming over river with alligators and you know, all this stuff. And he's like, you know, and obviously I know I lost my deposit, you know, and there's an insurance claim that's totally understandable, but oh my gosh, what an adventure, you know, he just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And the RV got fixed. And, you know, that's one thing I tell owners is yeah, damage will happen. And then, yup, it's going to get fixed back to where it was or better than before, you know, if there's wear and tear on it or it's older, you know, but yeah, that definitely does happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it was definitely, it was, that was terrifying. I don't wish getting stuck on a mountain in an RV on, on anyone, but Oh, so we're, yeah. coming, <laughs> we're coming to the end of our time. And I've got three questions that we ask everyone at the end of every show. And the first one is what advice would you give 20 year old Gar? Mm. So, yeah, you know, the advice that I would give my 20 year old self would definitely be, um, you know, in regards to business, investing, all that kind of stuff would, would be the best investment that I've made that I've learned to make, you know, the last, especially the last five years is investing in myself. So like courses in coaching, um, kind of like you said, you know, somebody try to rent their RV out on their own and then they decide they like it and this and that, and then they plug into a franchise. Like there's just so much value into finding a mentor that's five, 10, 20 years ahead of you and learning all their life experience instead of going out and buying that property or RV or whatever, starting that business with little to no experience. 
man, if I would have slowed down, found myself a mentor, gotten a coach and picked the path I wanted to go and followed that, you know, proven systems and processes, man, I would be so far ahead. Um, and I wouldn't have learned things as much the hard way. I could have learned from other people's mistakes. Kind of like we're always probably trying to tell our kids, right? Like, come on, just let me tell you, I've learned, I've done this. I've made this choice before. And this is the consequence of it, you know? So that would definitely be what I would tell my 20 year old self, get a course, find a mentor, find a coach, pick a path and stay on it. Good advice. And what advice would you give a new investor or person getting started in business who's getting started today? Yeah, you know, it would definitely be, you know, similar advice is find the coach, find the mentor, um, pick a path. You know, there's several different ways to wealth. You know, you can invest in paper assets and you can invest in real estate. You can start a business, you know, pick a path would be one of them and then find your expert and then stick with it. Uh, and then after that, um, what I would say is um, you don't need a bunch of cash. You don't need, uh, you know, a bunch, you don't need great credit. You don't need uh, a bunch of knowledge. If you find a mentor and you find a path that you're going to go down, um, become an expert in that field. You could, Heck, you could read 10 books on a subject and you're going to know more about it than 90% of everyone else. And then if you share that knowledge with somebody, they're going to look at you like an expert because, you know, that's just the way it is. And then what you can do with that now is you can leverage other people's assets, other people's cash, other people's credit, and you can build a business based off that. You know, that's what I did with this business is I'm using other people's assets um, and my systems and processes to one sell franchises and to two, you know, enroll RVs into our program, which that can be applied to anything. You could do that with Turo and cars. You can do that with real estate, short-term rentals, you know, commercial real estate, um, lots of different mediums. Awesome. And last question, what is your favorite book that's impacted your mindset? Favorite book that's impacted my mindset. Okay. So as far as mindset, you know, and this might be a common answer. Uh, I actually had two books that I usually like to mention, but in regards to mindset, it's definitely got to be Think Rich, Grow Rich, you know, Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. um, that I would say is, is definitely the best book to read on mindset. And you could find a lot of other books and as you read a lot of these other books, they're all going to stem back to Napoleon Hill. They really are. If you read the <laughs> principles out of Think Rich, Grow Rich, you know, you can read a lot of these newer books uh, and they're all going to stem back to that. But yeah, definitely Napoleon Hill, you know, and then if you don't mind me sharing um, sure. one other book that I think is, is crucial as an entrepreneur, um, you know, whether you're a believer or not is the book of Proverbs uh, out of the Bible, because that book is so full of wisdom short practical sayings that can be applied to parenting and finance and business, you know, and all the different avenues of life. So if you have those principles of wisdom and they're, they're applied to a right mindset, man, you're unstoppable. There's nothing you can't accomplish in the business world, in your marriage and parenting and all aspects of life. I agree. Really great advice. And last, so if our listeners want to follow you, learn more about what you do, where can they do that? 
Um, yeah. So, you know, my name's kind of unique. So you can Google Gar Russell and you'll find me all over the platforms, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all those different things. Um, in regards to, you know, Fireside RV, if you go to firesidervrental.com, uh, you can find all of our RVs for rent. You can learn about starting a Fireside franchise. You can register to attend one of our weekly webinars. All right. Well, thank you very much. And thank you so much for coming on. This is really, really interesting and a nice change of pace from our usual real estate. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to swap some uh, RV stories with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have many, but we've got a few. Yeah. Well, thank thanks you. again.